Hello and welcome to today's episode of Activate, the podcast where I interview survivors and people working in the field of gender-based violence. This podcast has been created as part of the 16 Days of Activism Against Gender-Based Violence campaign for 2022, with the hope that we could raise awareness and spread some easily achievable actions that everyday people can do to help join the fight to end domestic violence for good. Today my guest is Rosie Lyon. Rosie is an absolute inspiration of mine and I was so honoured to be able to get to interview her for this project. There's no one better than Rosie to introduce herself to talk about economic and financial abuse, so I'm going to launch us straight into the interview. I hope you enjoy. Hi Rosie, thank you for joining us today. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So if we could just start with you telling our listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, that's fine. So my name's Rosie Lyon. I work in the banking sector, currently an executive assistant, which I thoroughly enjoy. On top of that, I do a lot of domestic abuse work, volunteering for around 15 different organisations and charities. And I also bring change to the banking sector in regards to people that have experienced financial and economic abuse. I do all that due to I entered a competition called Young Bank of the Year Worldwide in 2021. And I won the competition with the idea of a fairer financial future for sufferers and survivors of domestic abuse. I was the first UK female to win that competition. And, you know, it's the first time I think domestic abuse is really spoken about on a platform like that. And it's all come from my own personal experience. Great. So would you be able to tell us a little bit about your personal experience? Yeah, no, of course. I was in a relationship from the age of 17 years old. And I was with this individual for around seven and a half years. And I decided I didn't want to be in a relationship anymore. I didn't realise during the relationship, because there was no physical element of domestic abuse, but... After I got out of the relationship and seeked help, I realised that I had been going through emotional as well as financial abuse without even realising. I just thought it was a normal relationship or what I was doing was normal, you know, supporting them financially, you know, argument. Once I left the relationship, it was amicable, but as they say, within three months, um, there was a physical alteration where I had to call the police. I had to leave my joint mortgage property and move back with my parents going through the courts, the police, getting a non-molestation order, which was breached and a restraining order was put in place due to that. And yeah, and then the main thing about my situation was the financial element. So, you know, I was paying for a mortgage in full as well as bills because when I left, I didn't realise that I didn't have to pay the bills if I weren't living there, which sounds a bit silly, but my name is on the land registry, so I didn't realise you know, going for a solicitor, trying to get this individual to sell the property because they were refusing to sell, pay or leave. I was paying it in full. I was had next to no money at the end of the month or even the start of the month because that's when all the bills come out when as soon as I got paid. Mm-hmm. And it was a really difficult time and I gave even the option that I'd sell the property and that individual could have all the equity and I'd go away with nothing because, you know, during that time I just wanted to be free unfortunately that wasn't the case it wasn't going to be amicable it wasn't going to work and my only option at the time rather than going to court and spending 15,000 plus on a piece of paper that would force a sale which could cause that individual to still refuse to leave squatters rights and whatever else that I had to put my property in repossession 
my main story from what I share is with the repossession and the, how I was poorly treated by the mortgage company, which is a high street bank. You know, it took over two years to repossess my property by the bank. They've repossessed it now and it's still going through that process. So it's not finalised yet and it's been going through this since 2019. We're now in the end of 2022. Wow. So so really extended process even after leaving the relationship then. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's not like the myths, as they say, is once you leave, it's all fine. It's, it's. I think sometimes, well, in my situation, it's been the worst since I've left because, you know, trying to actually get to a resolution and try and sort this out. And every month, my credit scoring's been going down, fees have been put in on top, so much so that now I can't even get a phone contract out in my own name due to my poor credit. So significant long-term impact it's going to have on you then? Yes, definitely. And so when we talk about economic abuse, is that the kind of thing that is meant by that term then of things like using mortgages or joint bills? Or is there even more that falls under that label? Yeah, you know, so economic abuse is the main sort of title and financial abuse, say, is the subcategory of economic abuse. Financial abuse is spoken about a lot more because it's, you know, it's in all the charities, in all the documentation. And I know a charity surviving economic abuse, they're looking at obviously getting that all changed and, you know, economic abuse is being, we're actually being able to see it as economic abuse now. But basically economic abuse and financial abuse come hand in hand. It ranges from so many different types. So obviously you've got my one where they refuse to pay the bills, the mortgage, so putting debt in an individual's name. But then it also goes onto the scale of controlling bank accounts putting loans in people's names without their permission, giving them the spending budget, making sure that they don't go over a certain amount of money, like saying giving them £10 a week to live and stuff like that. You know, there's so much to it. It's such a broad topic and there's so much that needs to be done in the area. That leads on nicely to my next question, actually. You mentioned your Mm -hmm. award that you won. What do we need to do in the area? Yeah, so in the banking area, um, in the financial. So my idea was obviously a fairer financial future for sufferers and survivors of domestic abuse. The idea came from my own personal story. So obviously everybody, you know, we all go through very similar parts of financial and economic abuse. But for me, this was based solely around my sort of situation. So I started with my ideas built up of four points. So it's raising awareness implementing training, enhancing policies and procedures and the lending opportunities, which I'll go into in a second. But, you know, it goes in that step by step. So banks and financial institutions, they need to, you know, raise awareness within their firms, let people understand what is domestic abuse, what is economic and financial abuse, how can that impact our staff, how can that impact our customers, but then also training. So once we get customers that are phoning up, emailing, however they communicate with us to say, this is the situation that we're actually trained. When I was going through that situation, I rung my high street bank, which was my mortgage provider at the time. They said, well, you're joint liable to pay. And it was basically tough. Like there's nothing that we can do. And there's so much that can be done and can be considered. And obviously we've come a long way from that. But yeah, obviously training with specialised charities such as Surviving Economic Abuse, also known as C which I highly recommend. Policies and procedures. So one of my ideas within the bank that I work for, I brought out a domestic abuse policy, 
I work for an Irish bank, so it was one of the first policies in Ireland, and most other banks have followed suit as well. So that's to protect their staff. So, you know, what is domestic abuse? What's the signs? What's the myths? And what we can do to help. So giving them extra days annual leave, giving flexible working, risk assessing, different things like that. So then we can support our staff going through this difficult time because part of my story is that when I did disclose to my workplace at the time, depending on the department I worked in, I wasn't supported. And it's really, really key that we get the support. And procedures then come down to our customers. So most banks now will open bank accounts without the need for identification and proof of address. This is in the UK. This is so individuals, if they can't access a property, kind of like how I couldn't, to get that documentation, then you can still open a bank account because quite a lot of people that are in abusive relationships end up having, not all, but end up having joint bank accounts. So then they don't have their own and then the joint bank account they might not get access to different things like that so we're able to support there other banks we can do change of addresses getting posts sent to a safe place or in branch we've come a long way especially from 2019 when I was going through it but I mean there is a lot more that needs to be done and I can think of so many different things and you know there's so much in the pipeline but yeah so many different things that need to speak about and then also my idea, which is the first idea that's ever been brought out in the banking world in the UK, is in around providing lending for those with poor credit. So providing lending for those that have income and expenditure. So like myself, that I have a full-time okay paid job, it could be better, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm joking. Having a credit score in which I also reference as a prison sentence that I can't rebuild my life after abuse. So we are actually looking at how we can put that into place and even just looking at income and expenditure and just when someone comes to us and confirms it is domestic abuse and, you know, we we believe you. So we believe what you have to say to us and we'll help you with your lending if you have the income and expenditure because, of course, as I keep saying, making sure that we don't put people further into debt. I'm looking at doing a pilot by the end of the year with existing customers in my bank and I'm also speaking with other very well-known high street banks that want to put the idea in place so you never know where that will come to but there's so much that needs to be done and I could you know I could sit here all day and speak about it but that's just a brief little bit that's been done and just to highlight as well there's a few banks high street banks and building societies that have signed up to the UK financial abuse code of practice that went live in December of 21 with UK finance which is like the board that the bank sits on and we're one of the banks that do that as well actually and we all come together in working groups and we discuss best practices what is everybody doing how can we align to make it consistent but as I say there's still a long way to go. Yeah, so it sounds like the picture's improving and... Yeah, still got massive room to grow, i definitely say, but I will not stop until there is significant improvement. I, for one, am very glad that we've got you out there doing this work, Rosie. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so if you are listening to this podcast as a survivor yourself who's experienced this, do you have any top tips for them about where to go, what to do? Yeah, so... When I was going through it, I was kind of doing it on my own. I didn't have much support in regards from charities and different things like that because, as I said, there wasn't much out there at the time. But one thing I definitely would say is that if anybody's listening, that their story aligns with mine, um, because I get that a lot with different podcasts that I'm on, is just to say there is light at the end of the tunnel. The tunnel can be very long. 
and it can be very mentally, emotionally, physically even stressful. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. And also, if you are experiencing economic or financial abuse, I would recommend speaking to your bank. I know sometimes, well, from my experience, my high street bank was extremely poor with acting and assisting me. But they are there to help you. You can Google onto their website domestic abuse and the majority of them now will have signposted on what to do, how they can help and they should be able to assist. And I always say to people, if they do have any problems, if they believe they're treated unfairly or poorly by their bank, when they've disclosed domestic abuse is to complain because once when it's complained, then something needs to be done and they will take action. There's also a website, Surviving Economic Abuse, which is a second line charity. There's lots of different resources and information, especially about how banks can help and how other industries can help when you're going through that. They also are partnered with Money Advice Plus, where they have a financial abuse support line. So you can ring through that and they can give you a little bit of advice on what to do and where. Um, And I'd also always say to people, from my experience, if you have got poor credit due to domestic abuse, reach out to your credit referencing agency, so the likes of Equifax, Experian, where you can get your credit score in, which I do, and monitor it and try to build it. It's very hard when you've got a repossession taking place. But you can put a comment, and it's called a notice of correction. It's a little note where you can put that you're a domestic abuse sufferer. Obviously, your perpetrator won't be able to see that or anything like that. But it's so when you go for lending, renting, whatever in the future, then that pops up straight away and they have to take that into consideration. There's a few top tips on what I'd suggest and try and use the resources as much as possible. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It's been very illuminating for myself and yeah, good luck changing the whole of the banking industry. (laughs) Thank you so much and thank you for having me. So a slightly longer excerpt from the interview today, but Rosie's words were so gold that I couldn't edit it down anymore. So just a quick call to activism today. Rosie is a supporter of the Employers' Domestic Abuse Covenant. That is a pledge taken by the members to support women affected by abuse to re-enter the workplace. The link to sign up to make that pledge yourself as an employer will be in the show notes, or you can email them for information as well to find out how you can get involved. Tomorrow, my guest is Paul Witherington, and with a slight change of pace, we're not just talking about domestic violence. We're also going to be talking about modern slavery and how the two can sometimes cross over. Paul helped me challenge some misconceptions that I had about modern slavery And it was really a fantastic opportunity to join a conversation that, as Paul says, is a long way behind where we're at with domestic violence. I hope you can join us to find out more.